Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Good morning. Welcome to Silver Baptist Church. It's so great to see all of you here worshiping with us today. I'd like to welcome all of you at our Creekside service, all of you at our Bonnie Oaks campus, North Udawa campus, St. Elmo campus, and all of you worshiping online. I am Tony Walliser. I'm one of the pastors here at Silverdale. Today I have the privilege of sharing with you God's Word. So go ahead and take your Bibles, open up the New Testament to the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2. And then also, we provide these Bible study outlines for you where you can follow along and take notes as we study God's Word together. If you're watching online, then you can go open that Silverdale app that we have and take notes that way as well. As most of you know, we are in a series called Five Things. And what we're doing is we're looking at these five things that are key ingredients that you need to add to your life so that you can grow. I mean, God doesn't want us to be spiritual babes anymore. God wants us to grow up and mature in our faith. And so far, we've looked at, okay, first is the Word of God. That's the primary way God speaks to you. And then the second week, we talked about prayer. That's the primary way you communicate and talk with God and lay down your burdens before Him. And then last week, we saw in response to who God is, we worship Him, okay, And so all those first three deal with the vertical relationship with God. And that's important. That's where you got to start. But today we're going to look at the horizontal relationship of loving one another. I mean, we're called to love God with all our heart, but also called to love our neighbor as as ourself. And the primary way that we love others is how? Is by serving them. And we may not think about that, but the primary way that you love other people is getting into their world and serving them. And that's what we're going to learn in Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul basically explains for us how Jesus Christ is the perfect example of servanthood. And since we're followers of Jesus Christ, we need to follow his example. But let's just be honest as we start off. This does not come easy. It doesn't. Our natural tendency is the flesh and self-centeredness. I mean, we look at the world through the grid of self. It's almost like I've got this picture of me, and I go through life, and I look at the world through my grid, what's in it for me, what about me, right? I mean, I hate to admit it, but it's true. When I go to a birthday party, it's even not my own, and they're cutting the cake, I want the biggest piece, okay? Whenever I'm driving, I want you off my road and out of my way, right? I mean, we, that, we, we have this selfish mentality. I mean, we have this sort of cafeteria mentality. Okay, self-serve only. Now, it's very subtle. Most of the times, we don't even realize we're doing it, right? But you, you, you look at a group photo that you're in. Where does your eyes go very first? You look for you, don't you? 
And you determine whether or not that's a good photo or not based on how you look in that photo. That's our tendency. We just have this self-centered tendency. And yet what happens is, is Christ said, no, you've been invited to a new community. You are now part of Christ, the Christian community, the church of God, the kingdom of God. And now you got to think differently. I mean, basically, the last will be first. The greatest among us is the servant. The servants are the heroes. Those who lay down their life, they're going to gain it. That's what God says. We have to have a servant mentality. And so what Paul's going to do in Philippians chapter 2, he's basically going to say to us, okay, this is how Jesus lived his life. But here's the deal. Before he tells us how Jesus lived, he confronts how we are presently living. And so jot this on your outline. First thing I want you to think about is this, is we've got to confront our tendency towards selfishness. First thing we need to realize is we've got to confront our tendency toward selfishness. And so before Paul tells us the example of Jesus, he says, hey, don't continue to live this way. Look at it. It's Philippians chapter um, 2, beginning verse 3. Notice how the apostle Paul says this. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. In your Bible, you can circle the word selfish there. See, we're always angling for ourselves, looking at the world from our perspective. What's in it for me? It's the survival of the fittest. Look out for number one. But God says, stop living like animals. We've got to stop being so self-absorbed. Because you know what? A self-absorbed person will destroy every relationship they're in. A self-absorbed person will destroy their marriage relationship. A self-absorbed person will destroy all the work relationships and the unity and good spirit in a workplace. A self-absorbed person will destroy a small group and the unity and fellowship that's there. Paul says, stop living selfishly, right? So that's the negative, but then he gives you the positive. Look at the rest of it, verse 3. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. You go, what? I've got to consider others more important than me? See, we don't think that way, do we? See, in our mind, we have this little pecking order. I'm at the top, and then anybody that can benefit me is on the next level. And then if you can't benefit me, then you sort of weigh down the pecking order. Now, if you've ever been on a, in a barnyard before, you've seen this before, right? The pecking order, you know, you feed hens. You, the first number one hen gets to eat first, and the second, then the third. And if a hen gets out of order, guess what? They become the pecky. Well, you stepped out of order. And, but God says, hey, that may be okay in the barnyard, but it's not okay for the church of the living God. You are to stop living selfishly, and you're to consider others more important than yourself. How? Well, look at the rest. Verse 4. Everyone should not look to his own personal interests, but rather the interests of others. Others. You see, why is Paul emphasizing this? Because you and I will naturally look out for yourself. You will. You will naturally look out for your own personal interests. So you have to be intentional. I have to be intentional not to be selfish, and I've got to be intentional. I've got to look at another person's perspective before mine. I've got to, I've got to think about it. How is this affecting them? I've got to think about it. I've got to walk in their shoes for just a second. Um, Tony Campolo is a great Christian communicator. He's also a professor at a college in Philadelphia. And every year, he'd take a group of his students on a mission trip to Haiti. And if you know anything about Haiti, they're a very impoverished country. And um, this college, they had a feeding program where they could you know, feed up to 500 starving people every meal. 
but they were limited. They could only do 500. And so during the mission trip, he'd have his students, they'd serve in the kitchen, they'd serve the people, right? But he'd always make sure that they'd always have their turn at the entrance at the door. And that you would literally click out, you count 500 starving people that you'd allow in. But then after you allowed the 500 people in, you had to stand at the door and tell people, I'm sorry, we've got no more food. I'm sorry, you can't come in. And and see, the problem is, is that there are thousands of starving people in Haiti. And all the students would say, the most impactful moment was when I had to stand at that door and tell people, no. That suddenly I started seeing people in a different way. These are people that are hurting, and I had to say no to them. That's what Paul is saying. We go through life with our blinders on, with our self-centered grid, and he says, if you're going to start acting like Jesus, first thing you got to do is you got to get rid of that selfishness, Okay? So that's the first thing, confront your selfishness. But then Paul says we've got to take on the Jesus attitude. So jot that on your outline, the attitude of Jesus. You've got to adopt the attitude or the mindset of Jesus Christ. You go, what's an attitude? Well, an attitude is basically a thought process. It is the habits of your mind. It is how you have trained your mind to think. Now, that's good news. Because every one of you, you have trained your mind to think a certain way. And the good news is you can retrain your mind. You can develop a new habit. You can literally adopt the mindset and the attitude of Jesus Christ. Look at it, verse 5. Paul says this. Adopt the same attitude that of Christ Jesus. That means you've got to adopt the mindset of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? You've got to have a paradigm shift. You've got to have a, a... different attitude. you got to change your thinking. I mean, this summer I've done a lot of weddings. I did a wedding last night. And any time that a couple gets married, there is a paradigm mind shift. They move from me to we, right? I mean, if you're going to be successful in marriage, you got to move from me to we, But those individuals that are unwilling, maybe they've lived as singles for so long, and I've always thought like a single, it's always about me, always about me. And so when they get married, they don't do the mind shift. They don't change their attitude. What do they do? They go, this is awesome. Instead of just one person thinking about me all the time, now there's two people thinking about me all the time. And what does that lead to? That leads to a train wreck of a marriage. See, you got to change your attitude. It's a shifting of thinking. I mean, I've had that shift. I mean, okay, we're in a political season, and golly, you know, everybody's after each other, and, you know, they got the Democrats, Republicans, and can I just tell you something? I learned politicians lie about each other. They really do. And you know what? I mean, I mean golly, so you got all this antagonism and hate that's in our culture today, right? It's all around us. And so I've learned something as a Christian. You've got to have a mind shift. People are not your enemy. Quit treating them like enemies. Every person you meet is made in the image of God. They deserve your respect. Quit disrespecting them, right? I mean, every person you meet is somebody that Christ died for. They deserve your love and grace. That's a mind shift. We've got to have a mind shift. Now, so Paul says, okay, you've got to adopt the attitude of Christ Jesus. Now, why is this so important? Well, jot this on your outline. Because how you think determines who you become. It's pretty simple. No, it just blows you away. Oh, really? That's revolutionary. And it can be revolutionary. The fact is, is how you think 
determines how you feel, how you live, and the person that you become. Look again how Paul says it, verse 5, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. And if you will adopt Jesus' attitude, that is the kind of person you'll become. It will change the trajectory of your life, right? I mean, we, we know this. I mean, you, you know people that have a more positive outlook in the attitude of life and those with negative attitude, and they're negative about everything, right? And you know it, it affects the trajectory of their life. Funny story I heard about this boy. He was in the backyard, and he had a baseball bat, had a ball, and he said, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Throws the ball up, misses. He quickly grabs the ball, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Throws it up, misses again. He grabs the ball again. I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Throws it up. Misses again. And then he thinks, I am the greatest pitcher in the world. I just struck out the greatest hitter in the world. (laughs) That's a positive attitude, right? But Paul says, not just have a positive attitude, that's Philippians 4.8, but you're to have a Jesus attitude. You're to have a mind that is like Jesus Christ. And whenever you have the mind of Christ, guess what? You start living like Jesus. Changes the trajectory of your life. That's who you become. See, a lot of us, what we do, we look at Jesus and he's just perfect. Yeah, he's perfect. And we go, well, I can never be like Jesus. I can never live the way Jesus lived. And I can never love the way Jesus loved. I'll never be you know, generous like Jesus was generous. I can never obey God the way Jesus obeyed God. Let me just blow you away. Here's the simple truth. If you think like Jesus, you start to live like Jesus. It's just that simple. If you start to think like Jesus, then the Holy Spirit's going to empower you, and you will start living like Jesus. Now you go, okay, then what was the Jesus mindset? What was the Jesus attitude? What was the Jesus thoughts? Well, there's two things that Paul gives us about Jesus and the way he thought. Here it is. Jot this down. Number one. It wasn't about promotion of self, but it was about abandonment to God. It's not self-promotion, no, it's about abandonment to God. Now, this is total opposite of our world today. In our world today, it's all about self-promotion. Man, you gotta get yourself out there. You need to be an influencer. You need to, it's all about your Facebook friends and your Twitter Twitter followers, and you know what? You you gotta be a self-promoter. Can I just tell you something? Jesus never was a self-promoter. But he was absolutely surrendered to the Father. In fact, when he would work a miracle, he said, don't tell anybody. Why? Because Jesus was not a self-promoter, but he was constantly surrendering to the Father because Jesus knew the Father would promote him. Now, look at how Paul writes this, verse 6, about Jesus Christ, who, existing in the form of God, that means Jesus is fully God, did not consider equality with God something to be exploited. He didn't exploit it. He didn't seize it. I mean, he's the second person of the Trinity, and yet he didn't, you know, cling to it. Verse 7, instead, he emptied himself. You go, what does that mean? He laid aside his glory. He laid aside all his rights as God. How did he do that? By assuming the form of a servant. There it is. Jesus is a servant. That's his mindset. Think about this. The God of the universe became a servant. That's who Jesus Christ was. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Why? Because Jesus, God in the flesh, God took on human flesh. That's why Christmas is so awesome. I mean, last year, we celebrated the 50th anniversary of a man landing on the moon. And whenever that happened, so many people made statements like this, the greatest event in human history is when a man walked on the moon. And during the time, Billy Graham responded, no, the greatest event in human history is not when a man walked on the moon. It's whenever God walked on this earth. 
That's what happened. Jesus Christ, God, in the form of God, laid aside his, you know, his glory and did what? He became a man, a human, a servant. That's what he did. He didn't take advantage of it. He didn't, you know, the Bible says he didn't exploit it. You go, what does that mean? Well, I mean, you know what that means. I mean, just look at our politicians, right? You know, they go to Washington, just normal working class people, and they leave a few decades later, and they're multimillionaires. See, they exploited their position. We heard about it even this year, right? I mean, before COVID came out and was public, well, these senators, they had had these briefings, and next thing you know, what did they do? They sold certain stocks, and they bought certain medical stocks. What did they do? They exploited their position, Jesus is God in the flesh, and yet he didn't cling to that and exploit that. Jesus left the golden roads of heaven to walk the dusty roads of earth. He was in the glory of God for all eternity past, and yet, what did he do? He came to earth to serve us. That's the mindset. That's what Jesus Christ did. It's a mind shift. Jesus didn't live promoting self No, he lived abandoned to the Father. And it's the same way. You've got to continually say, God, I belong to you. Because that's what the Bible says. If you're truly a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says this, you've been bought with a price. You are not your own. You now belong to Jesus Christ. You serve Christ. Live your life abandoned to Christ. Quit promoting yourself. Start promoting Jesus in your life. I mean, that's the way the Apostle Paul, Paul adopted the servant mindset of Jesus Christ. In fact, look at how Paul starts off this letter in Philippians 1.1. Paul says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. Now, Paul could have started off that letter by going, you know what, Paul the apostle, or, or Paul, you know, the, the leader of the Gentile church. Paul, the leader and, and you know, the, the leader and the one who founded this church. No, no, Paul doesn't do any of that. He says, you know who I am? I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. The word there in Greek is doulos. It means a bond servant. It means somebody who is bound to another. Paul says, I am bound to Jesus Christ. Paul adopted the Jesus mindset. I'm not about promoting myself. I'm all about abandoning myself to Jesus Christ, right? That's the first mindset. Second mindset that Jesus had is this. Jot this down. Serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. Serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. In fact, fact, let's let's just say that aloud together. It's up on the screen. Let's say it together. Serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. Now, you know, what's the difference? Well, a lot of us, we may have this, you know, to-do list, and we got all these things that we got to do in the week or whatever, and we go, okay, I need to serve somebody, and we make it down on the list. Okay, sometime this week, I'm going to serve somebody, right? But the, the essence of the gospel is, no, you're now a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are now called to not serve. You're called to be a servant. That's who you are. Now, think about the life of Jesus Christ. Every scene, every situation he walked in, he always acted like he was a servant to people. Always. I mean, and you think about it. The very last night that he was with his disciples, they're in the upper room, right? And then they're going to have Passover together. And all the other disciples, they're arguing with each other who's the greatest among them. And, of course, the tradition of the time is that you'd come inside from the dusty roads. There'd be a a servant that's there, and and they would wash your dusty feet, right? But there wasn't a servant there that night. And, of course, the disciples, they're not going to wash each other's feet. Why? Because they were just arguing who's the greatest among them. And so Jesus does the unthinkable. 
Jesus takes off his clothes to his undergarments. He grabs a towel and a bowl of water, and he goes around, and he starts washing all of his disciples' feet. I mean, the Bible, before that passage starts, the Bible says this, Christ, knowing that God had given all authority into his hands, takes those hands that has all authority, and he washes the dirty, grimy feet of his disciples. Why did Jesus do that? Because he always thought as a servant. That's who he was. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 12. Jesus says this, do you understand what I've done for you? You you call me Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to also wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done. And then what does Jesus do? Jesus takes the hands that have all authority in his hands, washes the disciples' feet, and the next day he gives those hands over to Roman soldiers where they nail him on the cross. In his greatest act of servanthood, dying in our place on the cross for our sins. In fact, that's what the Apostle Paul says. That's the ultimate act of servanthood. Look at it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. Jesus emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. Verse 8. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now think about it. As God, Jesus had to empty himself of all his glory. But then as a human, he had to humble himself and suffer and die. Why? Because, think about it, God cannot suffer and God cannot die. And yet Jesus Christ, he did both to the extreme. Jesus Christ became the perfect servant for us. Jesus had the servant mindset, and you and I have to have a servant mindset as well. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a servant. Not that you're supposed to serve. No, you are a servant. Now, a lot of us as Christians go, okay, yeah, yeah, I I get that. Okay, I'm a follower of Christ. I am now a servant like Jesus. The only problem is, is whenever people treat us like a servant. Have you ever been treated like a servant? And you go, oh, they treated me like a servant. They didn't ask my opinion, right? There there was no thank you. There was no please. They treated me like a servant. How does it feel when people treat you like a servant? Do you gripe and complain? Oh, my goodness, I feel like people are treating me like a servant around here. Or do you press into Christ and say, Christ, thank you that I get to be a servant like you. Right? I mean, that's what Christ has called. Christ has called you and I to be servants. And you remember last fall, our church hosted an event called One Day. It was an incredible day. We, we all met in worship at um, McKenzie Arena. Incredible time of worship. Thousands of people gathered in that arena. And that day, um, if you remember the speaker, is this guy right here, David Nasser. And if you remember David's story, he grew up a Muslim in Iran. And um, his dad was a general in the Iranian army, and they had to leave, and they lived as refugees in, um, in Texas. And eventually, his dad opened a restaurant in Texas. And one day, there were some Christians from a local church that went to that restaurant to eat. And they noticed there's hardly anybody here serving. And they realized there was a lot of tables that weren't bust. And so rather than griping and complaining about the lack of quality service around this place, and we're never coming back here again, and we're going to put a review against you, right? Instead of doing that, what did they do? 
they got up from their seats and they looked around. They found some water and some towels and they start bussing tables. And then afterwards, they talk with the owner, this Muslim man. He didn't understand why they're doing it. And he said, they, they find out that he has a, you know, some employees recently quit. He didn't have money to hire anybody else. And so the next day, they bust tables again. And for the next two weeks, they had other people in their church take shifts to serve this Muslim man. And he was blown away. He's like, why are these Christians serving me? I don't understand this. But he was very thankful. Well, a few months later, his son David is invited to church. And he knows, there ain't no way my Muslim dad's going to let me go to a Christian church. So he goes to his dad and says, hey, uh, my friend has invited me to this Christian church. Can I go? And his dad said, what church is it? And he told him the name of that Baptist church. And it was the exact church that had served in his restaurant. And he goes, you can only go to that church. Those are good people. I like those people. They love me. And so... He, he went to church. He starts hearing the gospel. He comes to faith in Jesus Christ. David Nasser is now the spiritual director over Liberty University. He has the largest young adult and college Bible study in all of America. Thousands of people come to faith every year through his ministry. But it all goes back to a couple of people who served his dad as servants. That's it. You see, whenever we accept the role of a servant, that's when God works. You want God to supernaturally start working in your life, in your marriage, in your ministry? Start acting like a servant. Then God says, I'll fill you with my spirit. I'll exalt you. I'll use you in ways that you can never be exalted. That's exactly what happened with Jesus Christ, right? Look at how Paul says this in verse 9. For this reason... God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, verse 11, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus became a servant and God exalted him. Paul says you become a servant. You humble yourself before God. God will exalt you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to be a servant. You've got to have a mind shift. Whenever you come to church, do not come as a consumer. Okay, what's in it for me? How are you going to serve me? Now, you come here and you go, how can I serve other people? Who can I serve? I need to be a servant here. When you go to work, even if you're the boss, you don't go to work thinking, okay, who's going to serve me? No, you go, who can I serve in this place? When you come home, you don't think, okay, who, who can serve me at this house? No, you think, who can I serve? Why? Because we are called to be servants. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are called to be a servant. Now, what I love about our church is that so many of our folks, they get this. They do. In fact, this past week, um, our church was honored by the governor of our state. In fact, here's a picture of me receiving an award from the governor and um, it was the um, Governor's Award of Excellence. And you go, what was all that about? Well, it goes all the way back to whenever we had the tornadoes that came and hit Chattanooga. And of course, our church became the command center for all these different groups, and we housed all these groups that came in to help serve. 
But then we, we literally put together teams of hundreds of individuals, small groups that went into our community and start serving. And so here's this crazy thing. So you have these government officials locally and statewide. They're coming into these, um, you know, these neighborhoods that have been devastated by tornadoes. And they're seeing all these people with these shirts on, cutting down trees and cleaning stuff up and helping people out. They're like, well, that's interesting. And then they go to another neighborhood, and they see a bunch more people with these shirts on. Serve the city. Who, who are these people? They go to another neighborhood and another neighborhood and another neighborhood, and they keep seeing the same thing over and over again. And eventually they ask, who are these people with all these shirts serving the city? And they go, well, those are all people from Silverdale Baptist Church. See, see, that's our church. We, we caught the mindset of Jesus Christ when everybody else with COVID is hunkering down. We said, let's go serve the city. And even secular people in Nashville recognize, wow, there's something about that. Now, we didn't do that to exalt ourselves, but God said, you serve like a servant. And guess what? I'll exalt you. That's what God does. You are a follower of Christ. You're called to be a servant. Now, in our church, one of the ways that we try to help you find places to serve is through serving the city. In fact, what do we have? We, we have a website, and you can see it up on the screen, sbcservethecity.com. You go to sbcservethecity.com, and you know we have over 30 partnerships with all these local ministries and schools. And what they've done, and they've given us all these mission projects, all these things that they need done in the next couple of months. And so this is what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to go to that website, you as an individual, you as a family, you as a small group, and say, okay, how can we serve our city? Now, you may be overwhelmed, and you say, man, there's, there's over 60 projects. I can't do all these. What can I do? You know what? There's one button that you can press. Help me find a place to serve. And somebody from our local missions team will contact you and say, okay, what, when are you available? And they'll talk to you, and they'll help you plug in and find a place to serve. But listen, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Christ is called you to serve. So let's serve this city together and watch Jesus Christ be exalted whenever we do. The Bible says this, that we are to shine our light before men, that they may see our good deeds and do what? Glorify us? No. Glorify our Father who's in heaven. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're called to serve. You're called to be a servant. And whenever you take that servant mentality, guess what? That is when you start to grow. That's how you grow. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale. And we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.